Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, it's Andy Bueller, statewide high school sports reporter and host of the Scorebook Live Today podcast. The coronavirus has shut down schools and halted high school sports, so we're going to take things up a notch here at Scorebook Live. Each day, our own Dan Dickow is going to have on a new guest to this very podcast as a part of a special podcast series in addition to our weekly episode tackling the top stories across the state. The best way to keep up with that and what we do is head to scorebooklive.com slash Washington, your home for Washington High School sports coverage, and subscribe to this podcast for free. Head to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or a couple examples. Look up Scorebook Live today, hit subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a rating, a comment. It really helps us do what we do. Washington Federal is a bank based in Seattle that operates 235 branches, and it cares deeply about high school sports not only in the Seattle metro area, but across the entire state of Washington. Head to WashingtonFederal.com to learn more or visit your closest branch. Scorebook Live Washington on the podcast today with Coach Scott Orness from North Kitsap. Uh, coming off of his fifth season at North Kitsap after spending a number of years at Bainbridge. Uh, Coach, you just wrapped up your season, won the 2A state title at the Yakima Dome. Uh, give us a little bit of uh, reflection on the season that just finished up. Yeah, I think uh, this last season really started with us sitting in the Sun Dome a year ago when we lost the fourth, the fourth, sixth place game to Clarkson, and it was really a bit of a disappointing finish for us. Um, we lost to uh, both Renton and Clarkson, who we beat in districts and the state regional. And at that moment, we knew we were returning just about everybody, and we set some pretty high goals for ourselves. So. Um, that, that's kind of where it started, and, and, you know, it's been a long journey since then from, you know, playing a really tough uh, summer league schedule and, you know, going over to Gonzaga team camp and asking, asking them to put us in the top bracket possible with all of the 4A schools and the big schools around the Northwest, and we ended up finishing in the top four over there. That, I think that gave us a lot of confidence. Um, and then getting into a tough non-league schedule and, you know, just – yeah, you know, one game at a time, focusing in on, and, and gosh, and then we're sitting there on Saturday playing for the, the golden ball. So, But there's a lot in between for sure. The best players, the best coaches always tend to take a moment to reflect on a positive or a negative experience. You mentioned um, a season ago a couple frustrating losses at the Sun Dome to finish the season. Was there a message that you can remember clearly delivering to your team um, after the state tournament a season ago, or was there maybe a message that any of your players gave to each other uh, to get ready for the upcoming season? Yeah, I, you know, we last year had a strong junior class and a strong freshman class. And so, you know, the idea of us getting to the Sun Dome was going to be important especially for our freshmen. 
to be able to have a great year this year. And the message after that, that loss to Clarkston was really just look at this opportunity we have. And that I remember specifically us talking about we want to be able to sit down whenever our season ends the following year and be able to look each other in the eye and know that we've all done everything we could to, to whatever the result was. You know, whether we won a state title or, or whether we didn't make it back to the Dome or not, it happened. Um, and so, but we want to be able to look each other in the eye and, and be able to say, hey, we did this, we got in the weight room, we, we put the time in, uh, you know, we did all the little things that, that great programs do. Um, so that was the underlying message coming into the season for sure and at that moment last year. You mentioned also, you know, putting together a really great uh, summer schedule. Um, how important is that to you to, um, at a smaller school where many times I'm sure you have multi-sport athletes, but having a summer schedule that players, parents buy into being a part of to prepare you for the upcoming season? Yeah, and it's a, it's a big commitment from where we live, so going to involve either you know an hour and a half drive to a tournament or a ferry ride um, which is time and money for families and so um, yeah we we play in a you know we'll play in a Franklin tournament the Curtis tournament um, any of the big tournaments against as big a school as possible uh, to get us ready um, our league is is you know it's solid but it's not I you know it's, it's got a few great good teams but we end up playing everybody twice and so we end up having um, some pretty pretty easy games, especially with the, the team I had this year. Um, but, you know, also looking back, I I had to kind of do a lot of self-reflection myself of, like, what, why aren't my guys performing at their best in the toughest moments? Um, and so I think two of the, you know, I, I started listening to a few podcasts and, and trying to figure out how I can get my guys to perform, and there's no easy answer to that, but I had a lot to learn, even though I've been doing this coaching thing for 20 years. Um, I felt I probably had my biggest growth in the offseason, too, to help help us get to where we were. So that was fulfilling individually, and, and I know, and I think that's one of our things in our program that creates the culture that we like is you know, we're, we're always learning, whether you're a coach that's 44 years old or, or an 18-year-old senior. Um, it's real important to keep that, that growth mindset going. Yeah, this the this is an important time for a growth mindset. Unfortunately, with uh, everything going on in this, the world these days, with with the coronavirus and kids not being in school, youth sports organizations and, and events being shut down, how do you, as a coach, as a leader, as a mentor to to players on your team and a leader in your community, how are you uh, trying to one kind of best prepare your program for when the time is right, but also stay connected uh, to the players in, in your uh, program when you can't physically be there um, encouraging them daily in the gym or the weight room or the classroom? Yeah, I think it, you know, we got back from feeling on top of the world and in five days, you know, school's being shut down. And so um, that was the first, I think, biggest hurdle for us moving forward is like, we wanted to celebrate the season and then have some closure to it and then move on. And like, we're just kind of in this strange limbo um, where maybe other programs are, are moving on already. And I, and I know my younger guys are starting to, um, but yeah, we, we connect via uh, whether it's text or, um, you know, 
email or other ways and social media um, about what kids are up to, you know, doing, trying to do just a lot of body weight workouts and working on ball handling if they, if they don't have a hoop nearby and, um, or getting out. So just trying to encourage them to get outside and do those things. Um, I know like Chris Hippa just put out a 28-day ball handling challenge. So, you know, we've got a few guys that are doing that right now. Um, as well, so you know, just trying to provide opportunities. But you know, I think you know, I mean, you're an elite player, obviously, and and those players that are really good, it's hard for them to stay away from basketball. And, and I'm lucky; I've got some players in our program that you know start chomping at the bit, and they've got to get a ball in their hands in some way, shape, or form, whether it's in their garage on a rainy day doing ball handling, or or hitting their driveway, or a local park to get shot up. So. Um, you know, I feel like we got guys that are doing that, which is, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate, because that, that's not the norm. Um, I've really only had maybe 10 total players in my 20 years that are like that. I'm lucky to have, have guys coming back that are like that. You've mentioned uh, big-time buy-in from your current uh, group of players, but it's also, when, when you look at, this is your fifth season, uh, before we started recording on the podcast, you mentioned that you've got a youth program that has really started to, to show some some positive signs of developing uh, a, a successful high school program. How important is your youth program to feed the players with the correct fundamentals up into their, their high school years? Yeah, it's, well, our, my sophomore group who has a bunch of stuff in it, they were the start of uh, what was called what's called drive basketball. And when I took over five years ago, uh, that was kind of I had actually started a program called Roots Bainbridge Roots Basketball in my last two years at Bainbridge. And and when I got uh, kind of talked into moving over and and getting things going in Kitsap, that was part of the deal. And I had luck I was lucky to have a group of parents say, Hey, we'll start this nonprofit, do all the legwork if you kind of take the lead on organizing it. And so um, our first our youngest group um, were fifth graders at the time, and that included Jonas Latour, Johnny Olmsted, Bobby Sievers, who, who transferred over to Glacier Peak, but um, all these really good players, and, and you know, we've had some great youth coaches teach them fundamentals, but it also, you know, in our, where we live, we don't have great competition. It's mostly Parks and Rec or Peewee Leagues, and so it allows these kids to get outside of kid staff and go play against, you know, teams from Seattle, Tacoma, uh, Vancouver, all of Bellingham, all over the I-5 corridor, and be able to you know measure their skill and talent against them, which I think has really pushed them to develop their fundamental skills. But I think sometimes they're they're kind of a big fish in a small pond over here, and then they get outside, and we go to district or state, and boom, we get you know we find out what kind of players are out there. So so it's really starting to pay off, and and I think that group of sophomores this year is. You know, they haven't all stuck around like they have. You know, they've all stuck together, and um, some, you know, some groups haven't. But we're starting to see those benefits. With you having coached in the Metro League with Bainbridge for a number of years and uh, branching out and playing in a number of uh, summer tournaments and camps, um, really quickly to put you on the spot, give me your three best head coaches. Well, to say three best is difficult, but give me three head coaches across the state that you think do a tremendous job in what you try to learn from them each time you uh, face them. Oh, wow. That, that has put me on the spot a little bit. Uh, there's, 
there's some really great coaches in Washington State. Um, uh, I mean, I could go back to a coach that's not coaching anymore, Pat Sitterer, um, who's been at multiple schools but was successful everywhere. Um, and I remember in my younger years, you know, at Central Washington team camp, you know, him just kind of taking me under his wing a little bit and teaching me a few things. You know, and I, I really appreciate coaches like that. There's a guy named Greg Kalina who was a head coach, but he was he was a longtime assistant at O'Day, um, and he still just trains kids now. But he's another another guy, um, and I know those guys aren't coaching right now. A guy that's coaching right now that really, actually, I got to know when he was at Kingston High School uh, is Blake Conley down at Union, um, and I was. You know, I was hoping he'd stay because I think my son would be playing for him. I thought he'd be playing for them, him in the future. Um, and so I was really trying to help him develop a youth program. And then he, you know, took the union job. Uh, but Blake does a great job. And, and he went from being kind of the younger guy, and I was a little bit of a mentor to him, to now, you know, we're, we're able to bounce a lot of ideas off each other. Um, we got the opportunity to play against them this year. Um, you know, Tim, Tim Kelly at Curtis consistently has good teams. He does it the right way. Um, gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's Scott Campbell at Puyallup. You know, he's a system coach, which I think is a really hard thing to do in high school. Um, I'm not necessarily a system coach. I always look at my talent and go, how can I get the most out of my talent? Because I think being a 2A school, that's just how it works. But Scott runs his dribble drive and, and sticks to a system. He has his kids in his Viking Elite program, youth program, running his system all the way down to fourth or fifth grade. So there's just a couple out there, but that I just named. But I know there's there's a lot more. So. Yeah, that's uh, you definitely named some really good coaches across the state. And as I've asked that to a number of coaches, um, whether in an interview situation like this or just kind of off the record, um, very few coaches can just pinpoint one or two because of the the quality of coaches in the state of Washington. So, Coach, again, we appreciate the time. Congrats on the state uh, title. Uh, Best of luck to you, your family, uh, and your program in in these uncertain times. And and we we look forward to getting basketball back going in the state of Washington when the time is right. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.